John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge next game, you hear me? Hello and welcome in to the Next Gen Podcast for the first time now with Bluff City Media. I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and very proud to announce that starting today, we got a co-host for the Next Gen Podcast, my guy Alex Winton. You know, he was on the pod before. Uh, moving over to Bluff City, got to have a consistent guy, and who better to have than one of my good friends, uh, one of the best follows on Grizzlies Twitter. Alex, how you doing today, man? Doing all right, man. Like I said earlier, I appreciate the opportunity, man. It was cool being on the podcast last time, so now being on it um, every week or every, yeah, basically every week, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, listen, I'm listen. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, as John Morant said in the playoffs last year, we are going to have some fun. Uh, it's 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 definitely gonna be fun having you on here for the rest of the week and everything, or for the rest of the season and all that. So it's gonna be dope. But starting out, we got to talk about. The last two games, Grizzlies just had a back-to-back against the Lakers with no LeBron and then against the Rockets, who are tanking for Victor Wimbanyama. But regardless, just beat the number one Nuggets also at home before that. It's good to see them kind of get back on track because before the All-Star break, you know, they had that stretch where they were kind of up and down, mostly down for like 10, 15 games. Uh, I think they were 5-10 and 10 in their last 15 going into that All-Star break. Three and one since then, and on a three-game winning streak, looking to kind of continue that as they go on to this road trip that's coming up. Uh, but I want to start with that Lakers game because the we got to start with the John Morant 28-point third quarter because I don't know. It's so – like, not to say that you get used to it. Like, you do kind of get used to it. But just seeing – just knowing that you got a player that you can just throw him out there. Like, there's some games – where you can just throw him out there and he's just going to decide that you're going to win the game. Like, that's basically what I saw. Like, in the third quarter of that game, Ja was like, we're not losing today. Shannon Sharp already talked all that trash the last time. Like, we're not doing that again. So he just had to go out there, came out after halftime, and he locked in. Like, twenty. it felt like 28 in a row. It might not have been 28 in a row, but it felt like 28 in a row. I think Luke Kennard did hit a three somewhere in there, but – yeah, it was just crazy to watch that entire that second half. The whole team played way better. Yeah, no, it was um job again because he was struggling too. I think he started out, if I'm not mistaken, it's like three or fifteen in that first half. It was something crazy. Like, I mean, now to be fair, nobody shot well that game. Like that first half was like very ugly. Bad. I I think I tweeted it. I said in the mud hoops, like in the mud, like you shooting low thirties. Nobody mm-hmm. has a flow offensively. Like that's the type of game it was in the first half. And I was like, well, like, Jaren's – because Jaren, I think, had a real rough half in terms of, like, he couldn't get a bucket. I think Ja really could – he was getting shots, but he couldn't score. Bain was kind of struggling. Like, nobody was really had a flow. So, for Ja to come in that third quarter, he really – like, again, he got back to what his bread and butter was, which is the floater. Because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, sometimes he just abandon it. Like, in that Philly game, it felt like he had kind of abandoned that, that floater and just getting in – like, it seemed like he was just trying to go to the rim, not looking to score – more so looking to get a foul. But in that third quarter against L.A., he took what the defense gave him, and I'm pretty sure it was like maybe three, four straight possessions where he got like a floater. Then it was like another layup, like a reverse layup. Like he was – that was a special third quarter. That was – Oh, and was <laughs> this is the other thing. Right? You talk about 28-point third quarter, 
highest scoring quarter in the NBA this season, including the two 71-point games. And he didn't hit a three-pointer either. Like, it was all two-pointers. Like, the, the, the longest shot that he had was a 15-foot floater. And it's like, at some point, if you're looking at it from the Lakers' point of view, it's like, how are you just going to keep letting – like, they, they didn't do anything special. Like, they, they really just kind of let Ja continue to get to the rim, and it got to a point to where – which I think that we saw a little bit more of that last year where there were some games where he would just come in and it's like, well, if they're not going to stop me, then I'll just take it to the hole every time. And that's kind of what it felt like in that third quarter. He kind of realized, like, there's nobody – that can stop him one-on-one like they got some good defenders like Jared Vanderbilt's a good defender you know they added Malik Beasley too but you see Malik Beasley's on this poster back here too so it's like he doesn't have great he doesn't have a great kind of history of guarding Jai either so it's like they got good defenders but they just didn't have anybody that could stay in front of him especially once that second half came around yeah, I was going to say, Rook, the thing really, when you're in that mode, when a player of his caliber is in that mode, it don't really matter who you throw on them. Like, they could have thrown, I'm trying to think of who their best defender is perimeter-wise. Maybe you could throw Reeves, you could throw Rui, you could throw Dennis. Really didn't matter who you threw. Troy Brown, it doesn't matter. It, it really didn't matter at that point. They He's going to get by him. He, he was focused because nobody could really score. So that, especially in a game like that, where you need every point matter, like every point matter, because we're always going to defend. I don't worry about that. It's about can we get enough points. And that that third quarter kind of basically changed the momentum of the game. Because I was like, if they get – they're run away from taking control of the game because they weren't really in control of that game the whole first half. But once they really got that run, because like you said, I think a Canard three was in – yeah, I think Canard hit a three during that run too. Like that's when I felt like, okay, we kind of got control of this game a little bit at least going into the fourth. Yeah, no, nah, I definitely feel the same way like – they, I feel like they had control of it going into the fourth. They did lose a little bit of that control in the fourth like they always do, I feel like. And I think that's just because, you know, Ja doesn't play the beginning of the fourth. They played Jaron at the beginning of the fourth, though, and he did help a little bit. But I still feel like, you know, they got to get him more involved, like, throughout the game. Uh, but it was kind of it, it is a tough matchup for him because I know that he had Anthony Davis down there with him. Uh, I know he dunked over him, but, like, most of the game it's not <laughs> – was that – that's that's the best non-John Morant dunk that the Grizzlies have had in a minute. I'll say that. Uh, yeah, I, no. you, you can say some of those Brandon Clark lives, but that was ferocious. And I, I love seeing that from Jaron. But, you know, he did have some struggles, especially in that first half. But he bounced back in that second half like Ja did, you know, with that with that big putback dunk. I feel like that was kind of like his that was like a statement kind of dunk especially because it's over ad i know ad wasn't you know turned around and all that but that still felt like a statement dunk number one on sports center all that so it was awesome and then just continuing to do what he does on the defensive end against a player of that caliber uh having another five block game and all that so it was just awesome to see that yeah no jaron the thing with jaron was he like again like both of them did that your stars just play like stars in the second half. Like, they just bounce back. Like, sometimes Jaron will have a bad first half, and usually he'll figure it out in the second half, as long as he's not in foul trouble. And and especially against AD, for whatever reason, I think people really need to look. He usually matches up well, well against AD. Not every game. Usually in LA is where they usually have problems, which we'll get into that in a little bit, home and road. But when, when they play at home, like, Jaron be – giving it to 80 like they be he be battling with 80 like he be basically ne- not neck and neck but like it's not a big 
difference in play in terms of how they're making big impactful plays to win the game. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, you know, Xavier Tillman had a great game too. And he actually, I feel like he had in the first half, he was matched up on AD more. I feel like they moved Jaron onto him more kind of like down the stretch, but I think he did a good job of forcing AD into a lot of jumpers and everything. Cause you look at his stats. I mean, he had a monster game, like 28 and 19, like five blocks, awesome game, but it, it felt like he wasn't able to have that same dominant kind of feel that even Ja did on the other end just because he missed some jumpers that were some tough jumpers and he could never really get in that rhythm. And I give a lot of that to Xavier Tillman for forcing him into those shots because that's really that's really all you can ask for for Anthony Davis. Like he he's still a great mid-range shooter, but I'll take a Anthony Davis contested mid-range over him getting a post-touch like 12 times a week, like every time, seven days a week, twice on Sunday, whatever you want to say. He can take as many mid-range jumpers as he wants. And I think that was like the biggest thing that Xavier Tillman did in that game too. And then also giving you a double-double, uh, you know, rebounding has been the biggest problem for them. And just to have him out there doing everything that he does, it, it's been awesome to kind of watch him bounce back. Cause I know you, I, I saw, I saw your tweet too. You talking about a lot of people, owe Xavier Tillman, some, some apologies. And that yes. and that's true. Because yes. my thing with what I was saying was when because I think somebody said it under is like, what was your expectation of him? He's like, he's a real pro. And like, you know, he comes in when he's numbers called. I'm like, yes, that's what I was trying to say, because I felt like a lot of people earlier this year don't really realize like or not even just now, but or early in the year, but realize like X is a rhythm guy and mm-hmm. like. If people don't remember, he hasn't really got consistent minutes since his rookie year. But when he got consistent minutes in an actual role, like, you know, he's going to get like 15, 20, 25 minutes a game. He's really solid. Like, and I'm not saying he's not, he's Steven Adams. Nobody's Steven Adams on the board. That's just not, but that's not my expectation for X. My, my, my expectation for X is to be a solid big. And he's been better than that. I mean, he had to go up against Embiid, Jokic, 80, and three straight games. Had basically matched up with him all three in, played well against them. And and the, the thing is, the reality of it is, when Adams is back, he probably is going to go back to get deep DMPs. Now, I know they talked about maybe not. We'll see. But, like, he might have to go back to getting DMPs. But he's fine with that because he's a real pro. Like, that's mm-hmm. – I don't want to make this comparison too much yet. I mean, I, it's kind of like a joke. But, like, he's more – I'm not going to say – he's like a culture setter for us in a way of, like – I'm trying to think of somebody for a different team. Like maybe I guess you could say Miami, like Udonis, like in the sense of he's not, he's young. He's only like 23, but he's like sets the example of what you want. See, for your... he's, see this is the thing though. He's young, but he's like, I feel like he's older than everybody on the team besides. Steve yeah. He's Adams. old. So like, yeah. like, yeah, like he, he got kids, like he's married, like all, like all yeah. that other stuff that gets thrown in there. Like, I feel like he's more mature and I feel like, that does help in the locker room. And then, and this is the whole thing. Like, I understand people saying, you know, maybe the, oh, the Grizzlies should move on from him or stuff. And I get it if you were talking about the trade deadline. You know, he wasn't playing. I get it. But I will never be mad at having a guy like Xavier Tillman on the team. And that's what I'll continue to say. Because especially when he's not making a ton either. It's a guy you know that if he comes in, he's going to hustle, he's going to play defense, and then he might mess around and give you an 18-point double-double like he did against the Lakers. And it's like, if if he's doing stuff like that, then it's hard to keep him off the court. And not to say that he's a given, like he's definitely going to be in the rotation, especially with playoff time coming up, 
but he's definitely a guy I have no problem with. If something happens, you know, Jaron's in foul trouble or, you know, somebody turns an ankle or something in a playoff series because who knows what can happen in a seven-game series. We saw what happened last year uh, in both series. You know, there's a bunch of different storylines that kind of took over, people getting suspended, people getting hurt, whatever it was. So there's so many things that can happen. Having a guy like that that's just ready to come in whenever his name is called, and he's also willing to do stuff like as a guy who is one of the older guys on this roster, as crazy as it sounds, at 23 years old. And in terms of experience of how long he's been on the team, is still willing to go down to the G League when he's getting DMPs and work on his yep. game. And it's like stuff like that is why, you know, you 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 might you. OK, you missed the open three. I can live with that. Like, that's fine, because I know that on the other end. He's gonna hustle for off. He's gonna hustle for rebounds. He's gonna hustle for offensive rebounds on offense. He's gonna give you probably one or two steals and a block every game, you know. And it's just like that kind of stuff. He's gonna make an impact on the game regardless. And I just love to see kind of the way he's played. Uh, and then kind of moving on to the other game, which not to talk about this one as much because they kind of did what they were supposed to do against the Rockets. I mean. Only 13 teams have made the mistake of losing to the Rockets this season. So, you know, it's good. It's good to not be one of those teams. I'll say that it's good because that would have been that would have felt bad after that Lakers loss. So, hey, you know, Rich Twitter would have been in a blaze if we lost that game. It would have been done. Oh, my God. You want to and, see actions? Oh, my Lord. It would have been bad. And they it felt like they wanted to in the first half a little bit. It did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I said it. I was like, yeah, they they need to lock in. Like, I I, I understand we was. I think we was up maybe a point or something. It, was, it wasn't a lot. I was like, they need to lock in. Well, first off, I had a show to watch. Second, I'm like, let's get serious a little bit. Like, this is Houston. Like, and mind you, I like Jabari. Like, I like a few of their players: Sangoon, Jabari, Tari Eason. Like, I mm-hmm. like some of their players. I like them for real. Jalen Green. But let's be serious. They only won 13 games for a reason. Like, we need to. But I'll put on the gas. Like, we need to finish yeah. this off. Like, we need to rest guys, especially on the back-to-back. But, oh, yeah, you need to – don't play around. They they turned up in the third and fourth. Really, it was Desmond Bain. That's that's really who came through to play. He's like, yeah, let me he, – he actually started to really take a lot of threes, make them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well Road Bain came back, per se, if you want to say that. Road oh, Bain. yeah. Ro- yeah, Road Bain has been – you know, that's <laughs> – that's, it's so weird because this year it felt like it hasn't been the same – just because the whole team as a whole has been so bad on the road. But it yeah. felt like the last couple years, it was really Desmond Bain that in those road games, he was kind of carrying them, like in a lot of those road games. I mean, if you look at it, I don't know if it's still the case, but I know at one point he had like the highest road three-point percentage in, like to start a career ever. Like he was shooting like 48% from three. Like it's some, it's ridiculous. It's like my career numbers. Like it doesn't seem like it, it should be real when you think about it especially when you consider like the greatest shooters of all time shoot around 44, 43% max. And that's catch and shoot guys. You know what I mean? Like straight catch and shoot. And you're talking about, this is a guy that is now adding, you know, the flyback, the flybys, which is his, I think that's my favorite part is just watching guys continue to just, because if (laughs) it's so hard because you don't want to get caught in the flyby, but then if you don't contest it, he's going to make it too. So it's just, it's so hard to try to defend that. Uh, But I just felt like he had an awesome game. And like you said, that third quarter, 
Uh, they ended up winning by 14. They won the third quarter by 14. So basically, that was the difference in the game is that third quarter. Uh, same as yeah. the Lakers game, you know, third quarters, good. Fourth quarters have not been as good. And let's see if we can get some of that third quarter mojo and move it to the fourth quarter from now on. And I think I think they'll be good. Yeah, they got to figure it out, man. Fourth quarters, man. It's not just it's not just players, too. Players, coaches, I can get into it. But, yeah, everybody got to figure it out. They got to yeah. understand, especially on the road. They got to figure it out. That's well, and one reason why they got to figure it out is because we only got, what, like 19, 20 games left until the yeah, playoffs. So it like it is getting to the point where you it it it's down the stretch. Like you got to start looking at these games, these important games coming up. Like this is about seeding. This is about who you're going to be playing. Uh, so I wanted to look at a couple of possible Grizzlies playoff matchups. Now, because the West is so weird, there are a lot of potential first round matchups. Yep. So I, I this is what I'll say right. I don't think now that the Suns got KD, I don't see them falling back unless there's an injury. So we'll take them out of it. I still I think the Warriors are going to be in the top six. And then it's going to be between the Dallas and the Clippers for who is going to be that seventh team that's in the play in. But out of those two teams, I think that like Dallas and the Clippers, those are the two teams. Not to say that the Grizzlies are scared of anybody in the first round. Obviously, you know, I don't think they should necessarily be scared of anybody. You know, I'm not saying that. But in terms of first round series, those are the two that bring the most difficulty, in my opinion, would be the Clippers and the Mavericks. Now, let's say something happens and you end up, I don't know, it takes the Suns a minute to get it in and, you know, they drop down. Obviously, they would be a harder. But I I don't see that happening. In terms of, like, in the realm of possibility, I think it would be Dallas and the Clippers would be the two most difficult matchups for them. And I think – I still think they could beat either one of those teams but because like, I think most of it, especially on the defensive end, I think they're a better defensive team. I think they match up better with the Clippers a little bit just because I don't know if they have two guys to match up with Luka and Kyrie. I think that might be the hardest part is having, you know – where is Desmond Bain? Is Des- are you going to put Desmond Bain on Kyrie? Who is Ja going to guard? It, it has some of those matchups because you know that they're probably going to put Dylan Brooks on Luka. So you can get into all that other stuff. But I, I think the Clippers are the better matchup. I don't know I don't know what you think about it right now. But I think that out of those two, the Clippers would be a better matchup for the Grizzlies just overall. Yeah, I think – yeah, Clippers because they don't have size to guard Jaron or uh, Adams. Really, because I mean, even though they got Plumley, I think that, yeah, they got Plumley. They got, got Zubak. They got Zubak too. Zubak, yeah, that too. I, I, I forget about Zubak. Yeah, they got both of them, but like, I'm really not like Jaron eats against the Clippers. Like, he's always eating against the Clippers. And then, yeah, Jai, like they don't, they, they can't stop Ja or Jaron. And let alone, they had any, I don't think Bain really has been able to really get his game off, not because they're guarding him well, it's just because by the time either he hasn't been healthy for those games. Or by the time he really gets going, John Jaron already broke out like 20, 25 points together. Like, that's usually when I feel like, usually when I go look back at old John Jaron, like games where they're going off together, usually against the Clippers. No disrespect to the Clippers, they're good. But like, yeah, I'd probably say Clippers is an easier matchup. Um, maybe because their offense also struggles like ours in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't, they have a lack of a real point guard. I know they got Westbrook, but even then, 
they struggle with half court execution and not because Paul George and Kawhi are more so scores than they are playmakers and they can make mm-hmm. plays but they're not guys that's not just, that's not what they do though yeah. yeah yeah you don't throw the ball to them and be like run your whole offense through them and create for everybody else like they they usually get to their spots and then if there's somebody helps then they'll make the play it's not like they're like hey let me get here to open up a shot for somebody else it's not that that's usually not their type of mindset going into it so i probably say i probably would agree with that i think but even then with dallas i'm not necessarily that scared of them either not saying the Grizzlies are not unbeatable because I think how very how high their variance is in terms of their low bad worst outcome and best outcome is very wait no nah, we just need to go ahead and throw this out here when it comes to the first round or the playoffs besides maybe like I don't know if the Jazz sneak in and end up playing the Nuggets or something any team can beat any team like when you look at the yeah. standings because if you're talking about the seventh seed could have either Luca and Kyrie or Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on it, you know, like, it's not, like, that's not going to be an easy series regardless of what you do. So when we're looking at all these series, like, I still think, I mean, throughout the season, the Grizzlies have been better than those teams. Now, there's been a bunch of stuff with injuries and stuff like that. How many games have Kawhi and PG played together? You know, Kyrie just got traded, all that. So there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. So could the Clippers or the Mavericks beat the Grizzlies in a playoff series? Yes, they could. But if the Grizzlies play at the best, at their best, I think that they're still a better team. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. Now, if they play at their worst, that's a different story. Because we've seen both of those teams throughout the season. And I think that's the biggest issue that a lot of people have. And the other thing is that a lot of the issues have risen up in the fourth quarter of games, like we said earlier. And the fourth quarter is when you play more like you play in the playoffs, more half-court game, every possession matters, you know, Let's be honest, people actually start playing defense because this is the NBA. A lot of times, the first the first half, sometimes they just running up and down the court. Like, there's not a lot of defense being played. It's not like that in the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot more half-court sets, uh, a lot less, like, careless turnovers and all that. Like, we even saw that last year besides the Warrior Series, which they had a bunch of crazy turnovers. But uh, even, like, just getting out and running off off of those turnovers wasn't as easy. So they're going to have to figure out the half-court stuff. But I still think when it comes to those two teams, those will be the hardest matchups. Uh, and they're probably also the two most likely matchups, I'd say. It would be either the Mavericks or the Clippers. I'd say the Clippers more so than Dallas because I think Dallas is going to win more over the last stretch than the Clippers will. And no offense, but it's because they added Russell Westbrook. I don't know if anybody saw their game today. But uh, the Clippers were playing in Golden State, and the Warriors literally just left Russell Westbrook at the top of the key, like he was a tra- like like he was a traffic like he was not there, like and I mean like there is not a dude within like ten feet of this man, and he didn't shoot it either, and it's almost like dude like that's almost disrespectful like you got to shoot that's it right the there. you know treatment. what I mean he was yeah. he, he was that's getting bent like he got the Ben Simmons treatment and. We've seen it as Grizzlies fans. We saw the Warriors did that exact same thing to Tony Allen in a playoff series. And it's like when you have a guy where you can basically just be like, you know, leave him over there and we can guard everybody. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that is a huge, I feel like that's that's a huge liability in a playoff series. And not to say that it's going to completely derail the Clippers, but it's like it's something that I think it 
could. And I think it's also an advantage on the Grizzly side because, I mean, I guess you could say you got sometimes some teams have done that with Dylan Brooks a little bit, not to that extent that they did with Russ, but some teams have left Dylan like that. But, you know, we've also seen Dylan have some games where if you leave him wide open and he's taking in rhythm shots, it's, you know, he's not a horrible shooter. Now, he's not a great shooter, but he can knock it down if he's in rhythm and he's taking good shots, you know, and. It's, I don't know if you can say the same about Russ. Even sometimes he takes good shots and they just they just haven't looked not like they did back in OKC and even in Washington. So I think that's one of the reasons why a series with the Clippers as intriguing as it would be. And, you know, we know what happened the last time Kawhi played the Grizzlies in a playoff series, too. He looked like a cyborg and all that. But we haven't seen that Kawhi in, what, two years now? I mean, you can talk about yeah, when fully he, yeah, fully healthy. So, I mean, we'll see. I know he's been turning it on, but it's really hard to really – it's so hard to really say what it's going to be with the Clippers. Uh, but I say those are probably the two most likely teams. Now, I know the team that we were talking about that <laughs> we hope <laughs> – this is going to sound so bad if they end up – if they actually end up making it and then the Grizzlies end up losing, this is going to look so bad. But we were talking about it. If there's one team that the Grizzlies could hope to play, it would be the Jazz if the Jazz could somehow get the seventh seed. I don't know if that's going to happen. I still think the Jazz are probably going to end up with out because if the Pelicans end up getting Zion back, they're probably going to end up beating them in the playing game. That's what I would say. But even the Jazz, which you look at like the West this year is so crazy because it's like even the Jazz, you still got to deal with Laurie Markkinen who's having an amazing season, you know. I think I, like he's an all-star uh, might even might make an all NBA team, <laughs> like probably Maybe. not, but it's like yeah. it's not completely out of the question. And they, yeah, and you know, it. they've had they've had some struggles against the Jazz. You know, they lost in Utah twice early in the year. Now, I know one of those games, Ja didn't play one of those games, Bain didn't play all that. So, there's you can always look at stuff like that, but I mean, that doesn't change the fact that they've lost in Utah twice this year. Uh, but when you look at that matchup, is there anything in particular that you look at, or is it more of just like you? For me, it's just more like they don't have a guy that I've seen be like the best, like one of the best players in the world in a playoff series. You know what I mean? Like everybody yeah. else in the West, besides like. I guess the Kings and the Grizzlies, because I mean, I mean, you could say what Ja did in that Warrior series is pretty incredible. Uh, but it's like of teams where we've seen, like we've seen uh, Jokic go into playoffs and be incredible. You know, with the Suns, we've seen Booker and KD. We've seen all of that. With the Jazz, they're more like we don't really know what they're going to be. Like they don't really got no superstars and stuff like that. So I think that's why in the playoffs, that's probably the easiest matchup that you could hope for. But because of how crazy the West is, I don't even know if they're going to make it. Like, they, they probably will make it. And if they end up playing the Pelicans in the first round, that would also be a really difficult first-round series, too. So it's like, regardless of who they ended up playing, it's going to be it's gonna be tough. Like, every playoff series this year is going to be super tough. Yeah, but I prefer to play Jazz. And listen, I follow a Jazz fan, too. He's really cool. I forgot his username right now. But, yeah, if he hear this, yeah, I would love to play Jazz. I'm sorry. It's, and it's not because I don't like – I like some of the players they got. I think more so the question for me is, like, they don't really have a – I can't really name – like, I can name players, but I can't name a 
consistent, like a first surefire, give me their best three, four players, like in an order. Like and and outside of Lori. Like I know Lori's their best player, but like I like Kessler, but mm-hmm. some nights he can be your second best player, some nights he can be your fourth best player on the team. Kelly mm-hmm. Olenek, Jordan Clarkson, like they got some yeah, solid Col- players. Yeah, Colin Sexton when he has played this year has been pretty good. Yeah, but you also gotta think they lost depth too. They traded like three, four depth guys to the Lakers, basically mm-hmm. for like a first round. Who's it? Vanderbilt, Beasley, Conley. Yeah. They lost three rotation guys, like snap of the finger. So now you depend on Taylor Horton Tucker to really give you the same rep, like replace the minutes of Mike Conley and like um, Beasley. Like, I don't, you know, I just don't believe in that. Like, I can yeah. l- at least look at our roster and be like, I know who our best three players are, maybe four best. And I feel very confident in, in that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel very confident in just what you said. I mean, we got John Brandt. Now, I know Job been kind of coasting this, I'm going to say coasting the season, but like his playoff resume is still. I, I, that's what I hold hope in. Like when it, when them lights is when them lights is bright, he show up usually. So you know I don't. Hey, really, look, whenever you're on a list, realize. when it's playoff games and you're talking about uh forty multiple forty five point playoff games, and you're on a list with LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and stuff like that, like your your playoff your playoff resume is set when you are put in the realm of guys like that in terms of your first two or two or three years in the league putting up numbers like that in playoff games. So, like, we know what we're going to get out of Ja. It's really just going to be about the other guys, you know. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say one more thing. He also averaged basically 40 against the uh, eventual champs. Like, he was, mm-hmm. like, averaging, like, 30 in that series against Golden State. Like, he was going crazy before he got hurt. Like, they couldn't do anything with him. So. No, yeah, even in that game three, I think he had, like, 33. At, like, I mean, they were getting blown out. <laughs> oh, yeah. But he, he wasn't getting blown out. He had, he had like, 33. So, it was, like. They, 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 it's just going to be about the other guys, you know, being better. And I think Jaron being better this year is going to help them a lot. And Jaron actually being a consistent guy where that can get you a bucket is going to be really important in these playoff series. That might actually be Bain like the most of, yeah. And Bain, Bain being fully healthy, uh, with that so back injury he had last year. Well, as, as healthy as he's going to be for the rest yeah. of life, yeah, yeah, as healthy he's going to be, he's going to be because of that yeah. toe. Yeah, as as healthy as you can hope. I mean, hey, healthy enough to put up thirty against the Rockets. I don't know how healthy you got to be to do that, because it seems like a lot of people have been putting up numbers on them. But hey, it's he was healthy enough to do it last night. So let's hope that he can stay healthy enough to do it in the playoffs too. Uh, but now that we kind of got a couple of those teams out of the way, uh, I'm I'm gonna call this this last part. Uh, the fine and the West part of the show, <laughs> because in order for the Grizzlies to prove they are fine in the West, this is this is what they they got a stretch right here, which is like if you want to be fine in the West, you got you got a chance to prove it right here. The the two biggest Achilles heels this season for the Grizzlies have been road games and games on national TV, and <laughs> they got five out of the next six on national TV and four out of the next six on the road. And they're all against teams in the West. So if there was any time to shush the doubters, look, hold up. You, you know, you know what video I'm going to talk about it. Nobody believes in you. What are you prepared to do about it? What are you prepared to do about it? What are you prepared to do about it? This oh, is, man. this is the time to lock in. You know, they started, look, they, they gave them, they gave them kind of a, an easy game to start the road trip. For once, all the other road trips have started like in Denver. Thank you, yeah. 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 So, but 
this is going to be an important stretch. You know, two more games against the Mavericks. They got blown out the last time they played the Mavericks. You know, they just beat the Nuggets at home. You got to go back to Denver, and now you got to play them on the road. Aaron Gordon is probably going to be back fully healthy. Uh, you play in the Lakers. LeBron is going to be out, but who knows what AD is going to be playing in. The first two like the first half, first two and a half quarters of that game were incredibly competitive, and that was still like it took a heroic John Morant performance in that third quarter to put them over the and top. Russell so this is, and yeah, yeah Russell yeah. might be back. So like these are all going to be like it's not often where you get game this many games in a row against teams that are not only in the playoff picture. But they all of these teams are like fighting for their playoff lives. Like it's not even like, you know, besides the Nuggets, you know, they're the one seed. They are pretty much not locked in at the one seed. Like they haven't clinched it, but it would take a pretty crazy collapse from them. And then, you know, a team like the Grizzlies or a team like it would have to be the Kings would be the only team that really has other team that even has a chance would have to finish the season on an incredible run. So, you know, they've, they've got it locked up. But you look at the Lakers, they're fighting for not only their season, but for, like, LeBron's legacy, Anthony. They're fighting for all kinds of stuff in L.A. Uh, both both L.A. teams, you know, the Clippers, they're, they're doing the same thing. Uh, the Mavericks, they're trying to, you know, stay out of the play-in. So it's like all, all of these games are going to be really important coming up. And it's going to have a big impacts not just on the Grizzlies but on the entire Western this is like this stretch is is it's an important stretch for the Grizzlies but it's an important stretch to watch for like the entire Western Conference too yeah um the thing I've always said about the Grizzlies I mean obviously they got the same problems at home in the road but it's more magnitude on the or magnified on the road because of you your margin of error on the road is just less and so, like, with the Grizzlies being an inconsistent offensive team, inconsistent shooting team, inconsistent just offensively, and then obviously role players not playing as well on the road as at home, they their de- attention to detail and their focus has to be better on the road. And that's usually what happens. They're just not consistent with it. Because we saw in that Philly game, they were good for three quarters, and then the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, they just let it go. And obviously, Ja didn't play well, but that's part of it. It's, your stars have to play at even higher levels on the road, especially when your margin of error is slimmer. And mm-hmm. also, coaching, you can't have a lineup where you don't have Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson, or Desmond Bain out there, even if it's only for a minute or two, because that gave Philly a little bit of momentum in that game, even though they only scored like maybe four or five points. It just gives them momentum because then you bring back your starters. You already average in terms of executing in the half court in the fourth quarter. So now the game is one or two possessions in their home and they're hitting shots. Like it's just, it's just a bad storm. It, like I could see that I've seen it happen too many times where they've done that before. And um, even at home, but on the road, they've done it more like during that. Cause people don't realize during that stretch where they were losing majority of those games were on the road. Like they, like they had like an eight game, seven game road trip and didn't win like one of those games. Like, and they lost like, I think they lost the gold state. They lost the Minnesota. They lost the, uh, the Lakers, Phoenix Suns. Like they lost the, all of them on the road. So like I don't worry about the Grizzlies when they're at home. We're in, we're one of the best home teams in the in the league. Like I think we're like twenty six and five, or like we're one of the top three home teams in the league. But on the road, we're like five six games under five hundred. Like we gotta figure it out. They gotta figure it out. They gotta bring. They gotta figure out how to play on the road because if they want to win a championship like they say they won, you have to win games on the road. I can name last year's champions 
Golden State, they won the road. Toronto in every series. They won, yeah, Toronto they won the road. Uh, Toronto when they won championship, they won on the road. Last year, even uh, Boston when they won, they um when they went to the finals in the conference finals or the conference finals, they beat Miami in or on the road. Like you got to win on the road. I'm not saying you got to win every game on the road, but I'm not saying you got to be elite on the road. But you need to at least be average or four, like five, six games over 500 on the road. Like you got to be able to win the, the big road game. So they got to figure that out. That's my biggest thing for them to figure out. So if they win during this stretch, let's say they got three, they got they still got three road games for this trip, correct? Because it's, it's a four game mm-hmm. road trip. If they win two, go two and one, I'm I'm satisfied. If they go three and zero, I might be a little bit more moved. I might be a little bit more impressed, especially because. That Denver game to me right now, as an optimistic fan, I am realistic, feels like a little bit of a loss. But I feel like they win the next two. But they might win against Denver. I don't know yet. Like again, I don't know. It I don't when they're on the road, I just have no not no hope or like no like I'm optimistic, but I'm very just pessimistic when they're on the road. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't yeah. know what to expect. I mean, be good. That's, be that's what they've that's what they've shown this season, though. I mean, they're twelve exactly. and eighteen on the road. Like that, like exactly. you have to do, you have to make your takes with what. Like they've shown that they're not on good on the road. Also, the Nuggets are twi- are the only team in the NBA that are better than the Grizzlies at home. I think they're twenty eight and four exactly. at home. So it's like you have both of those, uh, both of those point the Nuggets way. That's a, that's definitely going to be the toughest game of the trip. I mean, no question, or of this next stretch. You got the number one team. You got the possible MVP on the road, all that. Uh, but regardless, I think that this stretch, if if it might not be the best stretch in terms of, you know, the results in every game. Like, obviously, you know, they had like the 11-game win streak. But this stretch of games might be the most exciting games and – we also know that they are going to be re- good or bad. It's going to move the needle on a national stand, uh, on national stand, because all of these games, not only are they national TV, they're not even like NBA TV, fake national TV. Like we're yeah, talking, yeah, e- yeah. This is ESPN, ESPN TNT, TNT. Five, yeah. You know, back so, to back both times. Yeah, it's so it, it's going to be awesome to watch. You know, five out of six on TV when the Grizzlies used to maybe get five on TV the entire season, it's, it's fun to see how far it's kind of come when it comes to that. (laughs) But yeah, I usually did say also, I did have a meme about the Grizzlies on on national television. I I joke a little bit and it's like a a meme of somebody saying, don't turn the lights off. They're too bright because Mm -hmm. the Grizzlies seem to not have, you know, for whatever reason, on the road or national television, they're just not that good. And I was just joking. And it was like early before they was like bad on the road, like five, six games under 500. But then every time they just keep doing it on that stuff, I'm like, man, like this meme just, again, it keeps resurfacing because I have to bring it up. Cause I'm like, dang, I was just trying to joke. But then it, I, I hate when jokes become reality. And so yeah. I just hope they can, I hope they can make me look stupid a little bit. Cause <laughs> I don't want to have to bring that meme back up and we losing by 20 to Denver then lose to LA by like 10 and then lose a heartbreak to the, like the, the Lakers. Like, I just don't want that. Especially I think that's the night uh, Pagas is never retired. So it's like, his Jersey retired for the Lakers. So it's like, man, I'm just, please, please be a serious basketball team. Grizzlies. If they listen and please just be serious. That's all I ask. Just please be serious. Yeah, for sure. Well, 
Thank you. As always, Alex. Alex came on. He's going to be the co-host now. It's going to be super exciting. I'm excited for everything we're doing over here at Bluff City Media. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And don't forget to sign up for the Bluff City Media Insider Pass, whether that is going to be monthly or yearly. It's going to be a lot of awesome stuff. If you get the yearly pass, you also get a t-shirt and you got a lot of pretty cool options. I know they released all the merch and stuff like that on there. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff coming uh, from Bluff City Media and, of course, here on the Next Gen Podcast. So for Alex Winton, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and we are going to see y'all next week talking about some more grisly stuff. <laughs>